0: Welcome to Attenuation, a weekly podcast where two friends come together to drink beer, discuss beer styles and trends, and just generally ruminate on the meaning of life, aka beer. If you enjoy your time with us, we invite you to become a weekly listener and subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, here is this week's episode.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 101 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since 8th grade, Steven. Hello. Hello, sir. How are you?
0: I'm so good.
1: <laughs> you ready to drink some good beer and record an episode? I'm ready. We have a good one today. We foreshadowed it on episode 100.
0: This may end up being one of my most favorite episodes of all time. Ooh. We'll see how it goes, but I, I have a feeling.
1: Because of it's the gonna be a, content?
0: Yeah. And I've been, like, researching for weeks.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't record as often. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I had lots of time to read, and uh, got some really cool information and watched some cool videos. It should be really interesting. I'm surprised we didn't do this earlier, honestly. I know.
1: So what are we doing? We're doing a deep dive of who?
0: New Albion Brewing. This was the... First microbrewery in the United States, the OG of OGs, right it's here. Wave zero. Yeah, because we have talked about Anchor Brewing. Yeah, why of don't course, they get
1: considered? The, why aren't they considered the first micro brand?
0: Well, I think because even by those standards, they were a large brewer. Okay, that makes by, sense. By, yeah, by modern standards, they were a large brewer. Yeah, and we talked about you know we talked about Yingling as well. All all early, very early, but New Albion truly was the first like true micro brewery in the united states
1: gotcha yeah all right very cool
0: <laughs> in fact there's a, a funny quote from one of the founders that says we made in a year what anheuser Busch makes in about two minutes
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's super funny <laughs> to put it into context yeah yeah
0: micro micro brewery
1: micro yeah we'll talk about their setup was wild but we're we're stepping on the episode we gotta go we gotta we'll get there when we get there so
0: yeah but very excited
1: yeah so first thing we always gotta do is drink and beer our favorite part of the podcast so the way this works is i'll introduce my beer and give nose notes and then steven does the same and then we cheers and give our tasting notes okay so my friend posted that he had something from untitled art and he said it was really good and then i realized i've never had anything from untitled art and not to derail the entire segment but i'll do a mini story time with jason i okay at work i forgot there's like this like tiny quickie mart and it's not the other one it's not pacific market there's another one where the guy that runs it is just kind of obsessed with craft beer so I went there. I forgot all about it. And he had so much stuff, Stephen. He had um, <laughs> like all the older bourbon counties. Yeah, the bourbon counties. So he had County all the stuff. special ones. So he had a Coca Cola one. So I got that.
0: Nice. Not, not gonna yeah, you it today, that it today, but so long. yeah,
1: I really wanted that one. I missed it. But he had all this old stuff. But anyways, he had an untitled art. So I was like, oh, I'll grab this for the when we record. And it's um, so this is barrel aged Mexican style um pot de creme stout so it's got macadamia nuts cocoa cinnamon chocolate vanilla and milk sugar Mm. and yeah sounds good and this they're based out of uh wisconsin and then yeah i think so yeah wisconsin and this is 12.9 percent so i think they make a non-barrel-aged version of this as well so it looks like every other thing i drink (laughs) (laughs) pours like a coke and the head just vanished instantly It's jet black. Yeah. Oh, wow. It smells good. Like dry baker's chocolate. Definitely get cinnamon. It's boozy. It's got a lot of booze on the nose. Dark fruit. Very malty. Definitely getting a little bourbon as well. I'm excited. I think this will be good. This is definitely like the style I like. Well, I'm into banana now, but last year I was really (laughs) into cinnamon. So I'm excited to try this one. Okay, cool. What are you drinking today, Steven?
0: All right. Well, I decided to, since we're talking about one of the OG breweries, and really the brewery that inspired this beer that I'm drinking today. So I figured I would drink that. So I'm drinking Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale.
1: <laughs> okay, classic.
0: Yeah, so this is uh, 100% Cascade Hopped American Pale Ale. What is the ABV of this? 5.6%. Okay. Very sessionable. Yes. Golden, sort of uh, like a amber tinted gold. Mm-hmm. You know you're going to get a little bit of malt there. This beer smells so good. <laughs> It's a very, like, floral pine smell. Okay. Definitely get some of that just grainy, like, cereal malt smell, like a fresh-baked bread smell. Mm. Yeah, definitely the hops coming off of it. Uh, a little bit of maybe citrus, like um, like a bright orange citrus. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it's much more, like, herbal pine floral smell. A little bit of, like, honey there, too. Okay.
1: You're making me want one of those.
0: <laughs> hey, you know what, too? I bought a six-pack of cans of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. I'm pretty sure I've never had Sierra Nevada Pale Ale out of a can.
1: It usually it's bottles. Yeah, it's right? always yeah. A bottle, yeah.
0: Cool. I decided to do the cans. Poured into a glass, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, cheers. All right, cheers. Sir.
1: Okay, this is good. This is <laughs> you know those chocolates you get from when you go to Hawaii with macadamia nuts in them. Yeah. That's what this beer is.
0: <laughs> nice it's uh did they brew with macadamia nuts yeah it has macadamia nuts
1: in it okay Okay. and um i didn't taste them at first but they're at they're at like the absolute finish like almost after you swallow and then all of a sudden you taste the macadamia nuts it's wild but on entrance it's like very creamy chocolate not super sweet right away like baker's chocolate but then it is sweet and i get vanilla cinnamon caramel And it's creamy because probably from the... They added milk sugars as well. So it's like kind of creamy throughout. And then after you kind of swallow, you get the macadamia nuts and the chocolate like on the finish. It's good. It's boozy though. Like you can definitely tell you're drinking 13%, which I kind of like it when they hide it a little better. But um, but. no, but it's definitely good. I would say thumbs up. I like that you can taste the macadamia nuts because sometimes I feel like... You know, you drink one of these stouts and it has, like, a laundry list of things they added. Um, but you can't taste some of them. But I yeah. can... Everything they added, you can... You, you definitely get... It's present in the beer, which is cool. Because I got the vanilla, cinnamon, chocolate. You get that really, like, baker's cocoa. And then, of course, you get the macadamia nuts on the end. So, yeah. It's good. Thumbs up. Awesome. How did you like that? Tried and true classic, sir.
0: I mean, this is legend. Here. <laughs> I tried to come into it as unbiased as possible but it's just so it's such a perfect american pale ale Mm. with the malt and piney bitterness balance they're like it's like they're fighting each other because you get this like sweet cereal grain flavor yeah and then the just the driest most bitter hot presence like balancing that out like the Flavors almost bounce back and forth as you're drinking it. It's like got this bitter bite and then like, oh, it's pleasant and then it's bitter again. And that bitterness lingers on the aftertaste for so long. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: (laughs) It's amazing. But you like, it almost begs you to drink more of it. Okay. You're like, oh yeah, I want another taste of that. It's a very similar experience, I think, to Pliny the Elder.
2: Okay.
0: Just, in fact, Pliny the Elder was always more, when I drink it, it's always a lot maltier than I. Mm lot maltier a lot maltier than I, a lot maltier than I, then i think yeah then i remember um, and that's just a, that's another great like malt versus bitterness just battling it out I in your mouth i think
1: that is like the west coast thing is yeah. the balancing that like it's they're like like that sweet malt with the bitter hop and when they get the balance between the two perfect i don't know it's so good it's like sweet and sour sauce or something you know <laughs> yeah like obviously well, it doesn't per- taste like that but it's like you know it's like these opposing These two opposing flavors happening at the same time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, too, like you forget sometimes because of the, um, especially because of these like juicy IPAs now where so much of the hot flavors are tropical and fruity Mm -hmm. and sweet. And this is just like a return to the like true bitter hops. Yep. And it's just like, obviously, if you're drinking grain tea, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) then it's going to be sweet. And you have to balance that with something, and so you just balance it with hops. That's that was the original idea, of the hops and the, you know, using hops in beer was to balance the sweetness of the malt. And this is just like such a great example of that.
1: And what's so funny is like when that first came out, most people didn't like it.
0: Yeah, there was certainly yeah, it's going to be people who hate it, and then oh, but wait, it sells. Like this oh, people that like it. Oh, there's, there's people that like flavor.
1: It's still, like, one of the ultimate gateway beers, I think, to, like, craft beer. Because it's not too far removed from your basic domestic beers. Obviously, it's a pretty big jump when you first try it. Yeah. I think it's pretty shocking to people that aren't used to craft beer. But I think you can acclimate to it pretty fast. And then once you do, like, the hook is set and you're doomed. Like, (laughs) you're, you're, you're on the line. Yeah.
0: What's interesting, so this is essentially what new albion ale was mm. right uh, basically the same this is basically the same recipe yeah <laughs> ken grossman was inspired by new albion ale and one of the things that i was reading is it like i don't know if you know much about greek and roman column design but there was doric ionic <laughs> and corinthian were the three principal ones right i
1: don't know any of this but i'm ready right. to learn
0: well doric are very the very simple ones right Mm -hmm. And then Ionic were a little bit more, there's like more designs to it and stuff. And then Corinthian was just very ornate and over the top. Gotcha. And that's very much the beer styles, right? (laughs)
1: Kind of true, yeah.
0: The Corinthian is the today's, you know, like what you're drinking, heavily Mm -hmm. adjuncted, (laughs) barrel aged, imperial stout. And then every once in a while, you got to go back to the Doric styles of beer which are just the simple hops, barley, water, yeast, classic, true beer styles. And that's when you look back over history and you look at like the, you know, some of the ruins of the uh, Greek ruins and stuff. And you see these like beautiful, simple mm. columns, the mm. Doric columns. Like they still, their beauty still stands. They're kind of they timeless like, oh, too, right? Yeah. Even though they weren't overly ornate. Exactly. They're not getting so. caught
1: into the trappings of like the modern. Well, who knows? We're seeing a lot of the Titans, like, go out of business but i think Sierra nevada is safe. yeah but like Sierra nevada pale ale is going to be good it's good today it was good 30 years ago and it's going to be good 30 years from now whereas like yep. maybe some of these other styles aren't going to stand the test of time come and go yeah
0: yeah 100
1: cool so thumbs up obviously yeah <laughs> Nice.
0: I I Um,
1: honestly haven't had one of those for a long time. I should
0: go get one. Yeah, I bought it today, and honestly, it just made me feel good. (laughs) Like, yeah, I need to buy Sierra Nevada Pale Ale (laughs) every once in a while, you know? Yeah. I do need to go. I need to drink the uh, Doric styles of beer, not the Corinthian style beer, because chasing those sometimes is kind of exhausting. (laughs)
1: yeah that makes sense for me it's and for me it's torpedo as well Mm -hmm. i probably had a torpedo most recently more recently than i've had the paleo that was another beer like when i first got into craft beer i loved torpedo
0: torpedo is fantastic i always liked they came out with tropical torpedo at Mm -hmm. some point i always liked that one a little more
1: do they still make that one i think
0: they do the torpedo was always a little strong for it's me, pushed
1: it's pushed yeah
0: yeah because that's a 100 ibu yeah VRA, uh, like is, I, 100 it's not, I don't know if it's something. 100 but it's definitely i don't get it there. well yeah maybe it's not on 100 now i think we did talk about how they kind of dialed it back
1: yeah i think you might be right it might have been higher when it first came out they've dialed everything back because remember we looked at um they make optimum now and it's l- I looked it up, the IBU that they make it at now is lower than what they used to during the height of the hop wars. uh, It was a much, it was pushed way further. That and like Pallet Wrecker. Um, (laughs) So I don't know what the current torpedo is, but I mean, obviously like that's, it's, the reason they call it torpedo is, you know, they run it through that, a big cylindrical metal container full of hops. Like, you know, so it's definitely, it dials it up.
0: Yeah, Spear's great
1: all right nice i'm gonna look for i'll I'll grab one but the problem is i got too much good barrel-aged stuff i gotta drink one every time we record because i'm buying (laughs) it faster than i'm drinking it
0: (laughs) yeah that's always my problem
1: yeah yeah so okay cool so two thumbs up we're off to a good start so next we have postscripts beer news and story time with steven postscripts i don't think we have any no
0: uh, it's been too long
1: (laughs) i know that's the problem we (laughs) record so infrequently i don't remember and i usually write them down in our notes but i i didn't write any down last time so we're gonna say we're all caught up yeah um but we have a number of beer news
0: yeah so i'm i want to just kind of dovetail from sierra nevada into the craft beer and brewing magazines best in beer 2023 okay just it just came out with that list they release a few different lists so they do like a reader's choice best breweries best beers they do i think breweries by style too so they just they break it down there's a bunch of different lists they come out with towards the end of the year uh and then they do a best 20 the best 20 beers in 2023 that's their own judging panel Okay. And breweries can, I think, send their beers to them. So oh, they get a fun. bunch of breweries, a bunch of beers sent to them uh, to try. But yeah, it's really interesting. And the funny thing is, too, they, like, a couple times they tried not to, like, one of their goals was to try not to add any IPAs to the
1: list. <laughs> There's, like, too many, yeah.
0: Yeah, but there were a few that got added to the list. You know, it's, like, it's almost more exciting about those IPAs mm. that they were, like, they just couldn't keep them off the list. They were so good. So, But anyway. What's on there? So the number one reader's choice beer. This is the top 25 beers as voted by the readers of Craft Brew and Brewing. Best beers of 2023. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale Boom. is number one. And it, I think, is the reigning number one. I know it was number one in 2022. I'd have to look back at other lists. But, yes, it is continually in the top one or two. Pliny the elder number two <laughs> bell's two-hearted nice is three which is great it, what's really funny is that those three beers are very mm. similar it's true i mean Pliny the there's a double ipa it's a little more so, but you have a pale ale an ipa and a double ipa mm-hmm. all west coast style mm-hmm. maltier but also very hoppy styles yeah that kind of warms my heart <laughs> 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 don't you think
1: It's so funny to hear you say that, though, because I feel like you have come so far in your beer drinking journey because I feel like what broke you into the IPA style was the East Coast. Yeah. But now you've come full circle and you're like, West Coast is the ultimate form.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 100%. I just Uh think it's.
1: I agree. By the way, I mean. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're not. You're not about to argue. No. Yeah. yeah. I just love that. That those styles are like holding on. Mm-hmm. And Blind Pig is the fourth one. Oh, so cool. That's another awesome. Russian River IPA. Yeah. yeah. That, uh, that
1: one really flies in the shadows.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Like I think the only time I've had Blind Pig is when I drink it in the when, when we get the sampler at Russian River but they sell it in the grocery store. You know what I need to do for, and I'll have to do it. Like when we record, I need to get a blind pig and taste it. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'll even taste it against like a different IPA.
0: Well, that's an interesting one too. Like you will see in forums all the time, people post like plenty the elder, they'll talk about Pliny the elder. And there's always a group of commenters that say like, yeah, it's great, but blind pig better. Hmm. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. You see that a lot, but th- what's interesting is it was number 14 on the list last year. So it made a huge jump up to four.
1: Okay, cool. What
0: else is on um, there? And then, of course, following that, then it then it then the styles start to diversify from there. So it's Allagash White.
1: Okay,
0: nice. Very classic beer. Sierra Nevada Celebration Ale is next. That's a fresh hop ale.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Treehouse Julius. Oh, uh, of course. So now comes your East Coast IPAs creeping in there.
1: That's the first one so far I haven't had.
0: beer <laughs> <laughs> we Lager House Slow Poor Pills. No, I have not had that. Yeah. That's one of the places I really want to go next time I'm in Denver is Bierstadt Lager house. It's all loggers and yeah, they're slow pour pills. Have you ever, I don't, I think we talked about slow pour pills. We like did. The, yeah. Like the way they the, actually serve it. Yeah, the it. way.
1: of yeah.
0: yeah. It takes like 10 minutes to <laughs> pour <laughs> to a pour pint. A beer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, pint House Brewing did one and that's where I've had a slow pour Pilsner and it's really cool. And it was really cool, too, because the guy gave me, uh, like, a small sample of a fast pour, basically, okay. next to it. So I could I could taste the difference, which was interesting. It's crazy how, like, just pouring the beer out differently changed it the, the beer. yeah, that's yeah. wild. So that Slow Pour Pills from Beer Stout Lager House is uh, very popular. Uh, after that, it gets a little weird. You have Saison Dupont, the most famous Saison okay and Brass Brassway, DuPont. guinness is the next one that's that's your top 10 list right okay. there no it's a good list <laughs> and uh yeah and then you have some cool ones uh thirteen goose island bourbon county stout of course uh alchemist Teddy topper is nice firestone walker pivo pills oh interesting
1: i have not had that for a long time but yeah. that's a good beer yeah
0: Yeah, it's interesting that that's the beer from Firestone Walker. I know of
1: all the things they make. Like, that's definitely not my favorite thing they make, but...
0: Right. Electric Jellyfish.
1: Nice. Wow, they made the list.
0: Yeah, new to the top 25 list this year.
1: Now, didn't you try that against um, Moonraker? Yes. And you decided you liked the Electric Jellyfish more?
0: I did. I liked the... Which is funny because it is more bitter. And I oh. liked it because of that. Because Pine House does a better job of balancing gotcha. the juicy flavors with the bitterness. Yeah,
1: dude, I love. You brought me that four pack of Electric Jellyfish. <laughs> I think one of the one of the times you came out, and oh, it's so good. I love that beer.
0: Yeah, it's a very good beer for sure. It's Austin's favorite beer. <laughs> really? I
1: had to believe it. It's it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those like you have to have on tap at your restaurant, basically. Gotcha. So, yeah, yeah, and it's a good like it's nice that we have there's a beer like that where no matter where i go mm-hmm. even if all the rest of their beers are crappy they'll probably have electric well, like jellyfish a on jellyfish. tap yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh if i go to pint house i never order it <laughs> that's really funny because they always have something that yeah I something else you would rather try. try yeah
1: i gotta try that you brought me that jaguar shark i gotta try that
0: oh yeah i'll do that yeah, on you, the podcast though they just released their jaguar shark release for this year oh 2023 because they do it yeah yeah, they do it like december early december usually and one of their because they do three it's called the deep search series where they do three collaborations Mm -hmm. and one of the collaborations is firestone oh that's a house firestone barrel aged stout collaboration so it'll be fun to see what the um what the adjuncts are for Mm -hmm. that that's that'll be fun and then of course so sierra nevada torpedo there you go new to the list this year 23 oh, wow.
1: that's interesting that it like made the list yeah
0: yeah and the alchemists focal bangers 24
1: that beer's overrated
0: <laughs> Overrated. <laughs> i don't know i haven't tried it but jason says it's overrated <laughs> i didn't buy
1: it again this year that's all you need to know yeah i had the opportunity pretty- to but i went with heady topper i think that's way better just my opinion <laughs>
0: and then New Glarus spotted cow is 25. Ah, I've never had that.
1: But we dialed in our trip next year, I think.
0: Yeah, we need to do the New Glarus and yeah. I think we're going to uh, What did name. we say? Did we say like Michigan?
1: No, we're Michigan's out. Michigan's out. We'll do Michigan another time, but what I figured out is our Seattle trip almost perfectly maps onto if we fly to Ch- Chicago. It's like a 2-hour drive to New Glarus. So we gotcha. can just basically just repeat what we did in Seattle. Or to do the big city, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Hit Chicago, do all the Chicago stuff. Next day, drive to New Glarus, do that. Gotcha. Sneak a hike in. But we're not be getting any good hiking.
0: Maybe we'll yeah, sneak in. Saying.
1: We'll sneak in a trip to like Lake Michigan somewhere. Like a cool yeah. beach or something. Yeah. Okay. There it is. Twenty twenty four. There it is.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, I think we Well, you know what we need to do. Oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> so we were trying to think of like what time of year to do it, right? Because I think we're trying to match the New Golaris Oh, um, I, we figured it out, remember? Of, yeah, because so yeah, you want the release of Revolution Stouts.
1: Yeah, so Revolution <laughs> re- releases all their Stouts late in the year.
0: But Black Friday.
1: Yes, but um, New Golaris, they only do that Belgian Red three months of the year. And I think it's October, November, December. But that overlaps with Revolution Brewing's release of all theirs. So.
0: It's whatever that is. You know what else is. is going on in Chicago this time of year? What? It's Fobab, the festival of Beer, barrel-aged <sighs> beers. We could do all three. Yeah. We're gonna but die.
1: I, <laughs> we die.
0: <laughs> the problem is, I think Phobab is because it just happened. Okay. So it would probably be before the Revolution Stouts came out. Uh, but I think you can drink. I think you drink them there. I
1: bet you they have them there.
0: I'm pretty sure they're yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, so we could do Phobab. And, and then, then you get glares. the revolution stouts and then at ah, FOBAC. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's the dream. Alright, we yeah. gotta figure it out. <laughs> we planned it right here on episode one. I'll see you in a year, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but a Cow, that is one it's surprisingly I guess that's the second Saison on this list. Okay. Which is impressive.
1: That is impressive, because that's Cause kind I hate of a, I know I was gonna say <laughs> That's the one style I just don't really like. And love.
0: obviously my opinion my taste is the most important stuff. So. yeah to
1: you yeah yeah <laughs> i understand why people like saison but it just i don't know i don't love it Very um,
0: Cool. so that was the
1: yeah. that was that list uh, best of 2023
0: yeah and to save time i'll just say like go check out those lists yeah they have more specific lists on like different styles and um you know your best hazy ipa brewer or mm. whatever so that's a whole list And the best 20 beers in 2023. Those are really fun. That's a fun list because they're so obscure. Gotcha. Cuz it's just this is just brewery sending them beer and they taste it blindly and they just pick the best beers and it could be from some random. I mean, one of them is like Jitterbug Perfume from Arizona Wilderness Brewing in Gilbert, Arizona. What is you know, that? like it's like a pff, I don't even know what kind of beer this is. It's like a like slightly tart berry ale or something. I don't know. You know, it's just like weird stuff yeah. this list is wacky that's awesome yeah but it, it you know it's cool because you just you know the only one on this list i've actually had is um cross strain brewing uh fairy nectar
2: okay
0: As, and that's a hazy ipa and one of those where they did not want to put it on the list but they couldn't not put it on the list I see. um yeah so check those lists out it's really fun okay other beer news well we had another brewery close in austin and <laughs> yeah, you
1: told me in the pre-roll and i was shocked because i thought you meant the whole brewery
0: closed. yeah yeah so there's an area in north austin where there have been multiple brewery closures including fourth tap Adelbert's, circle brewing thirsty planet and anyway this is another one to close this is Oscar Blues Brewery and Taproom. And Oscar Blues is owned. They're in the uh, Canarchy conglomerate.
1: Oh, okay. I haven't heard of that. I
0: think it's owned by a Monster. Oh, Monster Energy. Monster Energy, Energy owns, Drink?
1: Really? Owns,
0: yeah, owns Canarchy. And Canarchy is like, I don't know how many breweries.
1: I'm looking it up. Canarchy Brewery Collective.
0: And this was executed to <laughs> perfection, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of uh, sad. We talked about it a
0: little bit. Yeah. So they closed the brewery basically overnight. People showed up and there was a sign on the door that just said that they were closed. Some corporate spiel. Like we're so glad we were able to for our time here in Austin or whatever. Yeah. Thank you. It. Thank you. But also yeah, thank you're, you, but fired, also you're and fired. We didn't tell yeah. you. Yeah. So people showed up. They were fired. And uh, yeah. Closed overnight. And and literally everything related to the austin location was wiped off of the website off of social media off everything
1: yeah well that's what we talked about in the pre-roll because i pulled up the website and there's no evidence they ever had an austin location that's what's so shady about it is like they didn't have the decency to tell people like they just yeah basically ghosted them And like, hey, you don't work here anymore because this location is gone. It's crazy. It sucks. It makes me not want to drink Oscar Blues ever again. You know who else is part of that collective? Cigar City.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. So.
1: So it's just gone, huh? Yep. That's a bummer.
0: Yeah. So quite a few closures of breweries in this area. Another one sort of in that area is Austin Beer Works. And they actually opened up a new location farther out of town that they own, actually own the location. And they have not started brewing there. Okay. But I think eventually they're going to move everything from where they are to start brewing at this new location. Because one of the things that's hurt these a lot of these breweries in that area is that rents basically like doubled. Oh, uh, well, that's
2: rough. And-
0: and if you were renting your space, like, you just have no control. All of a sudden, you could be making less money because your rent doubled, you know. Then I think St. Elmo is another Austin brewery that's doing the same thing. They bought a new location property that they will own. And okay. And they will probably move away from the rented space. Mm. It just makes more sense. Yeah. And then at least you have, like, an asset. Right. A land a land asset. That's no, it's
1: actually really good, I mean, as far as business goes to actually own the locate your location because then you yeah. can depreciate it i mean you get to expense rent but you get to depreciate it and then theoretically you know worst case scenario you can sell it and no one can raise the rent on you because you pay rent to yourself usually which is also uh advantageous i mean i get i get it i get it if these locations have to close but it's just like the not telling your employees part that's the icky part yeah
0: and Yeah, and I think that was a little bit more of the corporate-owned brewery mm-hmm. doing that. I don't, I don't think that any other, like, a more local brewery would do that to their people.
1: Yeah. All right, so now on to happy news with the crooked stave. Oh, right. <laughs>
0: oh, my gosh. So, recently, the New Belgium Fat Tire recipe was changed. It's basically now a golden ale instead of the amber ale that it was originally. Yeah. Obviously, that was met with varying degree of disdain or... I don't know, uh, unhappiness because it was such an iconic beer and it just sucks to like have this. I mean, they could have just, I don't know, stopped brewing it or whatever, brewed a new beer. I don't know. But it's just like to just stop brewing the old recipe and change, completely change it to a new style of beer was kind of messed up. So anyway, Crooked Stave is another Denver brewery. And they were like, well, we can brew a good amber ale. <laughs> and so they brewed a beer uh amber ale and they called it retired like re-tired and it has a bike on the label. dude i was gonna say i was just
1: like linking you the label i was like dang this is so i don't now i don't think they're doing anything bad enough that they would get sued or anything but like the bike on the label is such it's, it's, it's like such the finger <laughs> <laughs>
0: right <laughs> it's amazing 100 percent. yes yeah. That's awesome. Um, looking, oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's like the color scheme. It's the same color scheme. Similar. And then they put
1: the bike on there, which, you know, obviously, like, that's a that's the the whole thing of that tire. It's like the bike. And it's a yeah. big thing at the brewery. Like, they actually buy you a bike once you've worked there long enough. So the fact that they put the bike on the label just cracks me up.
0: Yeah. I do. Well, I, I think most of the reaction from New Belgium has been pleasant.
1: Yeah. They're like, whatever. Whatever.
0: So I don't think there's going to be any lawsuit <laughs> or anything like okay. that. Cricket Stave is more local, so it's not like yeah. it's going to... It's not, not like they're going to be nationally
1: distributing. It's no, just kind yeah. of a little joke. Yep. Yeah, that's really fun, though.
0: Yeah, who knows how long they'll do it, but for now, it's funny. No, it's, breweries, it's fun. you know, messing with each other's. It's a long history of that.
1: So. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, All right. So now we need this. I've been waiting for this story time with Steve. I want to hear about the Texas Beer Fest.
0: Oh, my gosh. Well, honestly, I don't really want to talk about it.
1: <laughs> oh, I forgot.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it's been a while. Me. Yeah. You uh, drank too
1: deep of the Texas Bureau.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I kind of broke every single beer fest rule that I've ever made for myself. Steven, I broke that we day. have
1: a whole episode on rules. I know. Come I know. On. I
0: should have listened to it. Well, it was very hot. Mm. But look, I did the Firestone Walker Invitational and that one was hot too. And I I came out of that like... You're fine. feeling perfectly fine. Yeah. So I don't know. I just I don't know whether I just didn't eat enough or hydrate enough before, and then I just started having too much fun and uh, just drank way too much. It was a rough night. Oh no. After that, but you know, I rallied the next day. I was I was good the next day. It wasn't it wasn't too bad. It was just, I think I was so dehydrated Yeah. By the end of it. Because I can tell you the beers that broke me. The St. Arnold Commitment Stout, which is their raspberry, their bourbon barrel aged raspberry oh, stout. Sounds so
1: good.
0: Was really, really, really good. I bet. And it was not really the beer that you would want to be drinking on a hot day. No. But I also just like.
1: You were like, it's so good, I don't care.
0: Yeah, but no one else really wanted to drink it. And I was like, do not pour that out. And so I was like uh, picking everyone's drinking that.
1: You broke the, that's rule number 1 to even pour it off.
0: Yeah, and I definitely did not drink enough water in between.
1: Yep, that's rule. I number wish two. I really <laughs> wish
0: they would just I really wish they would find an indoor location for this beer festival.
1: That makes sense. It's like cuz yeah, the heat is a
0: Like the next weekend was literally perfect. Really? Yeah, like 70 degrees and just gorgeous. So you just don't know in Texas in September. The weather's so variable. September and for some reason this beer fest just tends to be hot for whatever reason so yeah some of my favorite beers there was a mango chamoy sour Mm. from back unturned brewing which is in San Antonio and I Some of my favorite moments was just talking to the brewers. I mean, there's just like so much time. It's not an overwhelming beer fest experience. There's not a lot of people, especially in the first two hours. You get the, if you have the VIP ticket, the first two hours, there's no lines anywhere and it's just so nice. And so you have a lot of time to just talk to people, which is just great. So I talked to the back unturned guy for so long and we just talked about, you know, what models of breweries or are surviving what is a good like a successful brewery look like mm. you know he, his idea was like look i, I just want to make beer here serve <laughs> it here, yeah make good beer serve it here and have really good food
1: mm-hmm.
0: at my location and i was like yeah don't do anything other than that don't
1: expand <laughs> don't
0: just dis- don't expand don't try to <laughs> distribute to the grocery stores no. like just be a place where people want to go and drink good beer and eat good food and you really I don't know, I just feel like you can't go wrong with that. So no, true. So I had some cool conversations with him. And San Antonio is kind of a newer market for breweries too. So okay. so it's really interesting because you know Austin's like so oversaturated. Yeah. And San Antonio's not oversaturated yet. So uh it's it's a good it's good grounds for a new brewery. I had another great conversation. So some of the bre- beers, you know, is like the Great American Beer Festival are timed. You have to be at that booth at the right time. Oh
1: right. Like for a pour.
0: Yeah. And one of the breweries, I don't even remember which brewery it was, to be honest, but they had this Imperial Gummy Worm Sour Mm. that they were pouring. It was like 10% or something or 11% sour beer. And so I was like, I talked to them before the pour, I was like, hey, any clues into this recipe or anything, you know? And they're like, oh yeah. So we wanted to make a beer that tasted like gummy worms. (laughs) Okay. And we used gummy worms in the Mash mm-hmm. basically, but really, just if you boil gummy worms, it just turns into sugar, right? There's not a lot of flavor coming off of that, so really, you're just getting uh sugars, right? Which was increasing the gravity,
1: <laughs> right? You're just gonna make it boozier, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, which is what they did, but then they were like, But well, we wanted to really capture the gummy worm flavors, so they reached out to um Trolley, yeah, you know, they make like sour gummy worms yeah. and stuff, so they reached out to them to try to get flavors yeah, or something what it, you what know
1: are the artificial flavors you
0: use yeah. yeah and they were actually really nice i guess and they said okay we're not we can't give you like exactly what we right. do right because it's like confidential well, we can like proprietary push yeah. you in the right direction That's awesome. so they kind of like gave them some hints and then they ran with that and made this imperial go and talk it was so sour oh
1: nice really
0: <laughs> yeah Oh, and that was another thing. They, I think, they brewed that one with the souring yeast. So they have like this genetically modified yeast now that produces lactic acid. Oh, we you, were talking about that, yeah. Yeah. So they used that yeast too. Whoa. So that was really that's super cool. But ooh, it was souring. <laughs> so Who made this beer? <sighs> Man, I can't remember the brewery. We'll
1: post script yeah.
0: Yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll down. post script that one for you. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. It was. No, that was a fun one. Uh, I got to drink your rubicites and then I'm trying to think. Oh, we had that 2013 Pumpkinator. I
1: was going to ask about that. That's the like, one. that. That was the one you really like the wanted. That was the first beer I drank yeah. when I
0: walked in. It was like the first booth St. There. Arnold,
1: right?
0: Yeah, St. Yeah. Arnold's Pumpkinator, their annual pumpkin stout. I loved the 2013. It had like thinned out and mellowed out, but the pumpkin Wait, flavor it was, was... 10 years old? Yeah.
1: That's incredible. the 2013. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. And I was like, this could be terrible. <laughs> right. I mean, I would think that they would try it and yeah, they're not, not brought it to the beer festival. Yeah. It was terrible. But yeah, no, it was really nice. It thinned out, easier to drink. The flavor, like the alcohol, the booziness part of it had completely mellowed out to just a nice like pumpkin chocolatey stout. It was really nice. I tried a couple of different ones, like a 2018 and then a 2021 or something like that. Anyway, a couple newer years and they were just heavier, harder to drink. So I liked the thinned out version. Gotcha. Yeah, I just got to try a lot of cool beers. It's fun to do beer fest like that because you really do feel like you could get to almost every booth.
1: Yeah, I love that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, i have been to like a super local beer fest because the one that happened in my hometown is gone. I'm really hoping they bring it back. I should like email them and be like, hey, are you going to bring this back? Because they actually reopened the restaurant. Of the brewery. They're kind of like almost totally out of business, and now they're like full back fully in business. So I'm going to be like, hey, you should bring the Beer Fest back. But that was part of the fun is like, you could probably try every beer there, which is a cool feeling.
0: Yeah. You should look out for the Sacramento one. Yeah. Usually i usually do to, it I the, I to to the Stadium. One. It's a good one. But that yeah. was one where we were there and like Founders was there or something. There's
1: always <laughs> like, like crazy beers. Yeah. Why are you here? Like, but then you found, here? like,
0: I think eventually, you know, you started to see Founders beer all over.
1: They're everywhere now, I feel.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, this makes sense now. In hindsight, they were reaching out to new areas. All right. Cool. All right. So. So. Yeah. Drank too much, but it was a lot of fun. You learned your lesson. Do it better next year.
1: Follow the rules, Stephen. Pour off drink water. But the VIP
0: ticket, the whole, the whole, can I talk about that for a second? The whole ticket thing. I could go on a long rant about this. (laughs) So the first two hours of the VIP, they don't take your ticket. Okay. Just sometimes free tickets, like for the timed stuff yeah the timed pours they would require a ticket mm. but not always i don't know it's like okay it's very interesting because <laughs> well, i be feel like, like this... people would like put their hand to like they're dropping their ticket but they wouldn't drop it you
1: know like i feel like this is flying in the face of like local law which is i'm fine with to be honest but uh it's very interesting yeah. that there's like this unspoken agreement like i know we're under this regulation of metered distribution, but if you're under the VIP umbrella, we're going to just look the other direction. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so then, okay, so then, like, it's it's hot out there, right? Like, you're sweating. Yeah. You have these, like, paper tickets in your pocket. Like, they're <laughs> deteriorating by the minute. And... <laughs> you've gone two hours now you're a little bit drunk anyway you've gone two hours oh it's great though because then at that two hours when everyone starts the general are coming in you can go to the food trucks because someone they're not going to the food trucks they're going to beer right Ah, they're just now getting in you're on a different timeline yeah yeah i've gotten to try a bunch of stuff i can eat eat now so we got some food but anyway then you start going back to the booths to get beer and now they're like oh ticket and i'm like
1: Ah oh, man you're I just, asking now yeah. and
0: i'm so used to beer fests in general not have using tickets this is the first time i've ever had to use tickets. so it was like oh yeah sorry and you're like in line getting your pour and you're like checking your pockets <laughs> trying to find where your tickets are that's wild <laughs> like i don't even know why they're selling more there's no way between booths not taking tickets you pretending to put them in and not putting them in you would never need to get more tickets i had out of the ten tickets that I received, I think I had eight left at the end of the day, and I. But you drank, drank so much, you beer. were like, yeah. yeah, blacking out. So obviously, the tickets <laughs> does not work very well. It's really funny. Yeah, but it really it it's the worst to like get up to the front of the line, and they're like, "Can you put your ticket in here?" And I'm like, ah, "I don't know I don't even know where they are."
1: Yeah. That's really funny. All right, so yeah,
0: pretty dumb, but <laughs> a formality, I, yeah. I guess.
1: Yeah, whatever. It is what it is, right? you're very free yeah. in texas as I always say
0: yeah yeah <laughs> all right i guess we better get on to the main topic yeah where
1: this is a record we're like in 10 seconds we're an hour in and we haven't even really seen. yeah
0: oh my gosh we haven't well even i started guess if we record less frequently we can yeah, do a long we've got time.
1: more so all right cool so Put my we, editing skills to the test yeah you're gonna strip it down yeah <laughs> so yeah notice the timestamp at this time and (laughs) see how many minutes steven stripped out from an hour yeah yeah all right new albion let's talk about it
0: yeah so there's this guy named jack mcauliffe he was actually born in caracas venezuela his father worked for the state department and was all over the place really interesting father actually intercepting secrets for the you know u.s government and all this sort of stuff so um so spent a lot of time in South America growing up, and then he they moved to Fairfax, Virginia. And then he joined the Navy as a teenager, super into like welding and just sort of engineering and fixing stuff. And he joined the U.S. Navy and was stationed as a submarine technician in Scotland. But while he was there, he got to drink some really good Scottish and English beers. Mm-hmm. And he was like, man, they do not make beer like this in the <laughs> United States. This is a totally different kind of beer. So he found a book. It was it's Dave Lines' Big Book of Brewing. It's one of the original home brewing books. You can still buy it. It's like basically part of the canon of home brewing. Gotcha. Yeah. It's one of the most simple books in terms of teaching you how to do all grain brewing. So he bought that book. Got super interested in brewing his beer brewed beer his other mates in the navy got very good at it and then he came home to the united states and was living in the sonoma area in california and just you know was just a very good home brewer with equipment Mm -hmm. that he patched together himself and then he kind of looked around obviously nobody else was doing what he was doing and thought that it would be a good idea to you know start a brewery Mm -hmm. something that really nobody else was doing
1: did you mention he also tried beer from anchor brewing
0: Mm. okay
1: so i only mentioned that because i think we talked about in the the very beginning top of the episode is like i do agree new albion is probably like the first craft microbrewery but he was not like all the others grossman uh everybody they i feel like the original instigator of craft beer in the united states of america on the west coast is anchor brewing so I'll give him credit for first micro, but he, it's not—he did not try Anchor Steam. Yeah, <laughs> that
0: was still his gateway.
1: Yes, exactly. So they—they de- they deserve gateways, so yeah. much credit. But no, obviously New Albion deserves a lot of credit as well. So okay,
0: yeah. Well, so what I think you could probably give him more credit for is the invention of the American pale ale style. Okay. Anchor did have Liberty Ale, which was a cascade hopped beer. I don't know if that was after or before. Yeah,
1: we'd have to look at the
0: timeline. Yeah, we'd have to look at the timeline. Um, but certainly taking that sort of English style bitter, you know, style of beer to the United States and making it with uh, American ingredients mm-hmm. was kind of his mark on on craft beer, okay, and certainly the mark that he left on Ken Grossman, who created Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, basically based on New Albion Ale. So yeah, I think obviously we can recognize that Anchor is like such an influencer uh, to the modern craft beer. But yeah, Jack McAuliffe started this brewery, and uh, he had two partners. You know, in the in the brewery, there were two women actually, Susie Dennison and Jane Zimmerman.
1: Yeah. There's We should put it in the notes, but there's an amazing interview with Susie Denison on the Beervana blog. Um, They kind of talked to her about her whole role in the brewery. And, you know, she's one of the initial investors and she puts forward, you know, some of the money that was required to start the brewery. And she, she did a lot. Like, she was brewing the beer and, like, she was very instrumental. Obviously not, like, the brainchild behind the whole brewery, but... It's kind of cool because I think they don't get mentioned as much when you kind of look at the history of the brewery. For they're, sure. total, they're totally absent from like the... Actually, no, they're mentioned in the Wikipedia page,
0: but... It's just, you know, you still... It's still They still give Jack McAuliffe a lot of the credit. Sure. Uh, I, I do believe... I think Jane Zimmerman only lasted about a year. Okay. She couldn't stand Jack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so it's the same thing. We won't cover the whole Susie interview, but she also mentions that... In an, you know, she phrases it in nice terms, but, like, Jack was difficult to deal with, be around, slash, yeah.
0: He was a weird person to be in such a social uh Yeah, like role, business, yeah. Right? Like, he, I don't know, he just wasn't good at social interactions. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really interesting, like, because I watched a bunch of interviews with him. He's one of those people where, like, an interviewer will ask him a question And the interviewer is like really trying to like ask me a question that like leads him to like talk, but he just like gives like the most simple answer and then just stops. Stops. And the interviewer is like, ah,
2: it's really funny.
0: (laughs) You can totally tell like how frustrating it is, because he just he's very very direct and very just a short straight answer. He doesn't really like the small talk or expanding on on the idea. So so I could totally tell how. um, Well,
1: he's an engineer, right? Like,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. By
1: trade, yeah.
0: Yeah. So they started this brewery. They bought this um, old warehouse from uh, a, a winery guy, actually, and they he welded together. Yeah. One pieces. of the things in the interview
1: that was really cool was like uh, with Susie was that he did everything. Like he, he's just one of those people that's like the ultimate handyman. So he's like welding. He's doing sheetrock, everything, plumbing, electrical, just like totally a DIY project, which I thought was really cool.
0: Well, yeah, and he had all that, you know, submarine technician uh-huh. experience, too. So lots of uh, military experience in, in just fixing things and doing things like that. So and it was all gravity. This it thing was
1: gravity fed, which was pretty cool. Yeah, so start at the top. And yeah, three stories, and then just relied on, you know, from what I'm understanding, from what we've read, it's just it relied on gravity to kind of move everything, which is pretty, huh? yeah no
0: pumps no, yeah why not right? pumped up. Yeah. yeah yeah so uh i'll give you a little i'll give well, you a little quote even what quote he used
1: him. was like the <laughs> they were coca-cola sy- syrup drums yeah that they converted
0: right yeah so a lot he, of um a lot of metal soda stuff was used in early brewing for a lot of people
1: well it's kind of cool that he kind of just scrapped it together with well, like whatever would work
0: yeah well when he tried to buy equipment and supplies or ingredients for beer it was really really difficult at the time. Oh, okay. he didn't have a homebrew shop, right? No, so of course. He's like inventing
1: homebrewing. <laughs> yeah.
0: And when he would go to these suppliers of malts and hops and stuff, I mean, they were used to supplying Anheuser Busch mm. with ingredients. You know, huge breweries. Even Anchor Steam, and actually Anchor Brewing gave him a lot of supplies as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, I got a lot of hops and stuff and malts from them just because it was so much easier to get it from them than trying to find it from these suppliers because they would be like, uh, what? Like, your volume isn't high enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But he was able to convince Oregon State University to sell him a big bundle of Cascade hops.
1: Oh, that's right. That was one of the things I wanted to mention. I mean, you kind of alluded to it, but this is 100% Cascade hopped beer.
0: Yeah. So his uh, new Albion Ale was an american pale ale hopped with cascade one pale malt very very simple beer
2: mm-hmm.
0: i mean it was very like it was popular but they were it's crazy to to read about like the labeling process and <laughs> stuff. I mean, they were just slapping labels on these things and it was like they had this crazy labeler that they'd have to like put the label and then like get out of the way because the thing would come and slap it on and just <laughs> so wacky.
1: Very artisanal. And, you know, that yeah. was one of the things that was mentioned a lot in the Susie interviews. is like everything was done by hand. So the it just took them a lot of effort to make this beer and to bottle the beer, label the beer. Yeah. This is yeah. pretty interesting.
0: I'll give you the good quote from him where he talks about the beer that he made. So he said, American beer all tastes the same because they all try to make it as cheaply as possible. Mm, good point. Our beer consists of malt, hops, water, and yeast. There are no enzymes, which the big companies use to speed up the process and to ensure longer shelf life. There are no adjuncts like corn grits, cornflakes, or corn syrups, which are often a cheaper source of starch than malt.
2: There are no heading agents or
0: foam stabilizers. It's the proteins that produce the head in real beer, and those are filtered out of commercial beer for cosmetic reasons. Those things make the beer hazy, and that's okay. There's no carbon dioxide added. The beer is naturally fermented in the bottle.
1: Yeah, they bottle conditioned everything they made. Which
0: is cool. So the new Albion name that came from, well, there was an original Albion brewery in San Francisco in the 1800s. Hmm. I think it was operating from 1875 to 1919. There was an Albion Ale and Porter Brewing Company in San Francisco. And the new Albion was the name that Sir Francis Drake gave to the northern Pacific coast when he landed there.
1: Oh, that's crazy.
0: Because Albion, I guess, is another name for England. Oh, okay. So that's kind of where the name came from. Uh, they opened in October 1976. Wave zero. Yeah, wave zero, right? Uh, we're talking 1970s beer. That is that is early on.
1: That's very early, yeah.
0: Um, well, they lasted six years.
1: Ah, <sighs> that's a heartbreaker.
0: Yeah, so Jane Zimmerman, like I said, lasted a year. Yep. And then him and Susie kept it going for six years. They did a lot of work with like local community councils and licensing and also... I think you told, you were telling me the funny story about like how they would ask, uh, a lot of the council members would ask, like, so how big is your winery? Oh, yeah. When they were licensing? Because
1: they were in Sonoma, so a lot of wine there. Um, Right. And when they were kind of building out and licensing, people thought they were a winery. And they're like, no, we're going to make like craft beer. And they're like, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) Because it was, again, like what we said, wave zero. Like, this just didn't exist at this time. So.
0: Yeah, so it was so there were some like local licensing fights. There were also bigger fights with alcohol laws and the ATF and figuring all that out. So and Jack McAuliffe and Fritz Maytag did a lot of lobbying mm. to the state mm. for changes in the laws and stuff to allow them to brew more, distribute more, and that kind of stuff. So, um, so that was, there was a little bit of a, a mark on craft beer. And beer laws from Jack McAuliffe as well. But ultimately, they wanted to, he wanted to expand.
1: Never expand. Steven, what do we learn? What did we learn have <laughs> we in this podcast? <laughs> Never expand. Never
0: expand, yeah. If
1: you want to sell for $2 billion to uh, um, <laughs> a macro corporation, by all means, take your payday. But yeah, do not expand on your own. <laughs> It was true in 1976 and it's true today.
0: There's a kind of two story, two sides to the story. Yeah. There's the um, Jack McAuliffe side who says, one, they just didn't understand. Investors just didn't understand what I was trying to do. They gotcha. didn't see the value. True. Right. Like they just couldn't see the vision. They, he was just too ahead of his time. <laughs> that was his, his story. Also, at the time, the economy was bad and... The bond, like the government bonds They were issuing Were like a ridiculously high rate of return I Not mean sure. it was just stupid And he was like Nobody was going to invest Especially in a business that Had no precedent yeah. You know, of success
1: Well this is the 80s right?
0: Yeah the, uh, Early In
1: 1981 80s.
0: The interest rate on mortgages Was 18% Oh my gosh could you imagine? Oh my gosh, that's insane! Uh, yeah, there you go. So interest rates were so high. Yeah, there were just better places to invest the right. money that Did they I gave him like best? an amazing yeah. return that was safe, right? Yeah. So that was that was one of the problems was that he it was really really hard to get somebody to invest more money to the end of the expansion. Mm-hmm. But there's the other side too. There's a guy who he was a brewer. His name was Don Barkley. He was a He opened Mendocino Brewing Company, who McAuliffe actually brewed for. He was the brewmaster for the first year, I think, Mm. after New Albion closed. And then he continued brewing for Mendocino Brewing Company, I think just for a year. His take on it was that it could be put under the broad category of mismanagement.
2: Mm.
0: He says New Albion was too small to support the number of people that were working there. Oh, okay. So basically, he was like bringing on a production team, a sales team, a management team, without having the size to support that Mm -hmm. team. He like put the cart before the horse kind of thing. Just didn't manage it well.
1: He hired more people than the business could sustain.
0: At the time, yeah. Like you're having too many people, yeah. His 55 gallon kettle was brewing a barrel and a half. I would produce fewer than 20 cases of beer per brew. It's
1: insane.
0: Making the, a profit with such a system is virtually impossible. Yeah,
1: his low volume is so crazy.
0: And then, you know, what's really interesting is that he sort of went off into the oblivion um, and just got a job as an engineer and just got out of the brewery scene, out of the brewery business. It's probably the, the craziest world.
1: part of this whole story that he's just, like, vanished.
0: Yeah, it's like a J.D. Salinger type, <laughs> you know, just write a American classic, and then go into, go into hiding. go yeah. But he did have a few sightings, revisitings. He resurfaced in 2012 and joined Ken Grossman with Sierra Nevada. They brewed a barley wine to commemorate Sierra Nevada's 13th year. Oh, cool. And then at some point, the new Albion trademark was going to expire and go into public domain. Mm. And Jim Koch from Sam Boston Adams? Beer Company, yeah, Sam Adams, Yeah. He did not, he just happened to be like, I don't know, it was kind of on his radar and he did not want to see that trademark go into the public domain. So he bought it up.
1: Nice. That's so gangster. As
0: quickly as possible. Yeah. And with the intent of basically just saving the trademark. Yeah. He wanted to keep it safe. I don't know if he had any intention at that point to brew, a, uh, you know, uh, like a, a beer in that style or, you know, pay homage to it, but. They did actually do that um, in 2013. So he really wanted to get Jack McAuliffe involved in that process.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: But he could not find him, and he just happened to have a friend, like in the, it was in living in the Midwest, call him up one day and say, "Hey, Jim." I have this guy in my home brewing club and he's so good. He's better than all of us. He makes great beer. He seems like he, he just has so much knowledge. And he casually said that he started the first <laughs> micro brewery in the United States. And he's like, well, what's his name? She's like, Jack, Jack McAuliffe. And he's like, what are you kidding me? Like, so he got in touch through this friend with him and, brought him on to make this new albion ale
1: <laughs> i love how you just like in this home brewers club just making beer and being like oh yeah i started all this <laughs> like whatever old man like yeah, let's get you to I bed guess. yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> but it really was yeah. him yeah
0: it really was him yeah so they brought him on they really let him brew the beer basically nice um, it's so simple you know back to that door column right it's like single ma- single malt Single hop, single temperature, simple. Like yeah. uh, just about as simple as you can make beer. That that was this beer recipe, and uh, but as soon as you drink it, it was like, oh yeah, this is this is it. Like this is just that great balance of malt and hops, sweet and bitter. Just a great example of pure beer. And it, Coke gave him the uh, trademark back.
1: That's so cool.
0: And uh, four hundred thousand dollars of the. in the profits from the beer nice yeah and then he uh actually mcauliffe had a daughter at the time and he gave he just gave all the money to her uh and she opened a brewery in michigan oh cool i don't i think that one is now closed too but Ah, dang (laughs) it yeah yeah. but anyway yeah just a crazy story about this guy but yeah unfortunately it's so weird because like it only lasted six years but
1: but it inspired grossman to make sierra nevada I think uh, also cited is, did Vinny say that he was inspired Yeah. Yeah, So, yes, you got a Russian River inspired by New Albion. Yeah. I'm sure there's others, but, you know, those are like the two big West Coast.
0: Uh, Jim Coke, too, Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. inspired by him. Um, Yeah, lots of inspiration, uh, lots of incredible beer came from his, um, his work. And it's just those six short years yeah for, it's like the most famous unsuccessful brewery <laughs>
1: <laughs> well yeah that was kind of named and it's like the most important failed brewery of all time or something like that yeah i mean honestly calling it wave zero is right
0: yeah especially because it didn't succeed so it just like yeah. spark it was a spark and then you had it really lit the breweries. flame of
1: like you know titans what we'd called wave one um like Sierra nevada kind of leading the way there wave one of craft beer
0: and it's still number one beer reader's yeah. choice so it's kind of crazy. Some of the other, so Liberty I mentioned from Anchor is 100% Cascade popped. So is Mirror Pond from Deschutes. Oh, okay. Anyway, I'm just, so I wanted to throw out a few of these beers in this style. Zombie Dust
1: mm, from nice. Three Floyds. Yeah.
0: I think, although Bell's Too Hard is called an IPA, I think it would fall pretty much into this category. Um, Pseudo Sue mm, falls into this okay. category. Always more malty than I expect when I drink it. It's got a great malt backbone So pseudo suit Zombie Dust, Mirror Pond Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale, Liberty Ale From Anchor Which, that's a sad story too, Anchor closing I know That's a bummer yeah. Now the real OGs are gone They're all gone, yeah <laughs> It sucks Yeah, the true sparks are gone now Yeah, anything else on that?
1: No, it's really cool I mean, it's a critical piece of the pie So I'm glad we finally covered it 101 episodes in <laughs>
0: Yeah, it only took us 100 episodes. So there's a clip of Jim Koch. We'll play it here for you now. And just Jim Coke on Jack McAuliffe's mm. influence on craft beer today. You look around and there is this uh,
1: enormous revolution, this movement that surrounds us with over 2,000 breweries in the United States. But I think it is worth reminding everybody that it started with one, with one man, One idea, one brewery. And like everything, there has to be a
0: first mover. And that first mover is Jack McAuliffe, who in 1976 did something that nobody had done, which is began making craft beer. And we're all here today because of his imagination and audacity. Yeah, that's a great little quote. His influence on the beer, and what's great, this goes to like Jack McAuliffe's sort of smugness that I talked about yeah. a little bit. The interviewer asks him, "How did you drink any like American pale ales here that you liked, or is there anything you liked here so far?" And he goes, "Yeah, like all of them." And he's <laughs> like, yeah. and he's like, "You like that like sort of hoppy pale ale style?" He's like, "I invented it."
1: <laughs> Dang.
0: He's like, "Yeah, I like it. I invented." It
1: flexing on them
0: yeah oh great the guy's like oh yeah that was a dumb question (laughs) that's awesome um but yeah just like talking about how all of that going on there that Mm -hmm. beer fest going on was like basically because of this guy yeah and and the brewery he started and the beer he brewed so pretty cool
1: yeah very cool nice
0: well
1: is that an episode
0: that's an episode we talked a lot
1: did it live up to your expectations yeah it <laughs> might be one of our longer episodes all right cool so this is attenuation podcast you can find us on instagram at attenuation.podcast we're doing pretty good on uh instagram all credit to steven but yeah
0: well i just post my beers and try to make stupid reels slow and stupid and beer progress. memes yeah <laughs> feeding and, the algorithm <laughs>
1: And then if you want to email us, we're available at contact.attenuation at gmail.com. And this has been episode 101 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since 8th grade, Stephen. That's me. And we are saying cheers, and we'll see you next time we record for episode 102.
0: All right. Cheers, buddy. Cheers.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Attenuation, a beer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And follow us on Instagram or Facebook for more fun content. Catch you next week. Cheers!